Good morning, everybody, and thank you so much for tuning in to DRW. I am so excited this morning to be here with one of my favorite people, Chad, Pastor Chad, as we know him. And uh, thank you so much for taking time to be here with us this morning. Chad is the executive pastor at Royalwood. He is a counselor uh, with family counseling. He works with CPS. He just, good Lord, he does it all. So, Chad, thank you so much for being here with us and taking the time to be on the RW. I appreciate the invitation. Um, We have had an opportunity to talk to i've i've had the opportunity to work with you i've had the opportunity opportunity to be around you to get advice from you on things and uh those of you that have not had the opportunity to be around chad parker you are missing out um i don't know where you get all the energy to do everything that you do i i'm i look at your day and I go, this guy is doing <laughs> like more work in a day than some people are doing it in a week. Um, I don't know how you do it, but you do a fantastic job. And I know that Royal Wood is blessed to have you on staff. Um, I wanted to talk about several things today, and we're going to try to squeeze it into um, the time frame that we try to stay in here on the podcast. But I, I wanted to start out talking a little bit about your background. I know some of your background, but I know much of the audience does not know kind of where you've come from. Um, where did you start out in ministry, and where did you start out in kind of your your counseling journey? Uh, well, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I attended Stephen F. Austin uh, for my undergraduate degree. Uh, after high school in 96. And uh, honestly, I went into college at that point completely undecided as to what I was going to do. I had really no idea. Um, And it wasn't until I went to register for the fall semester of my junior year uh, that my advisor would not let me register because I had to declare a major at that point. And uh, so I was kind of forced at that moment to make a decision. And so I actually rescheduled my appointment to register because I still couldn't declare anything yeah. <laughs> at the moment. So, um, but at that time, uh, a family member was in the hospital and uh, I went up to visit them with uh, my aunt. And as we were walking uh, up to the room, their hospital room was directly across from the hospital social worker's office. And my aunt kind of nudged. She said, you know what, Chad, you should be a social worker. You would be amazing at doing that. And I didn't know what that was. Yeah. And so we went in, and on the way out, uh, the social worker was sitting there in the office, so I just stopped in and said, hey, can I ask you what you do? What, what, is, you know, what is social work all about? And uh, she took the time to just sit down and explain to me the profession, what all it entailed, uh, what it had to offer, the flexibility uh, of the profession, where you could go. And I thought, hey, I'm willing to do that. So literally the next day, uh, I went back to school, uh, declared social work as my major, and uh, signed up for the introductory to social work class for that semester, and just kind of fell in love with it from that point on. So, I mean, for everybody that doesn't know, what all does being a social worker kind of encompass? 
Well, it's a, an extremely broad field. Um, you know, social workers, you will find them working in a school setting. Uh, obviously, most associate them with child protective services. You right. know, they're the mean people that take the kids out of the home. Yeah. Um, social workers in hospital settings, all healthcare settings, hospices, uh, nursing homes, rehabilitation centers. But social workers are also valuable in uh, the mental health field, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of the direction uh, that I chose to go in. So, you know, social workers are very involved in, in many, many aspects of life. Well, and, and we've had the opportunity to talk about this, but mental health is something that I don't think that we talk about enough in our country, and definitely we don't talk about it enough in the church setting. Um, I know just recently you spoke on depression, and to me that was so impactful because um, I think as far as in the church setting, people hate to admit that that's something that they've actually struggled with or right. something that they've come up against. But the the truth of the matter is there's a large number of people who are facing things like depression. Yes. Uh, you know, and I mentioned this on, on during that message, but at some point in, in church culture, we have kind of demonized the concept of mental health Yeah. Uh, to the point that people aren't safe with saying, hey, pray for me, I'm battling with depression or I'm struggling right. with anxiety or, uh, you know, God forbid, they actually have a formal diagnosis of bipolar, maybe even schizophrenia. And uh, it's like if, if we mention that in the church, then they have this mark. And yes. so people aren't willing to come forward and, and admit those things. And unfortunately, because of that, the church isn't ready to help them. Right. You know, there's no program set aside. There, there's not a lot of resources. You know, we focus a lot on uh, Sunday school, children's ministries. We focus a lot on worship and music, uh, focus a lot on outreach uh, to the community. But sometimes that involves actually being where people are in the community. Right. And there are a significant number of people that deal with mental illness. Um, and, and there are significant number of people in the church that deal with mental illness, but there just aren't the resources on the spiritual aspect uh, to, to kind of guide them. It's very secular. And, uh, you know, when we send people out for assistance and with a secular mindset, what we have seen a lot of times is that will often come back to say, well, you live a lifestyle that's too restrictive. Right. right. You know, you, you shouldn't be under so much pressure. And so it kind of comes back to questioning, making them question their own spiritual walk. Uh, when the reality is, you know, in the church setting, we, we've got to raise up people who are willing to address these very difficult issues, but from a biblical perspective. Right. No, that's exactly right. And I have talked about this and, and talked about this, you know, with guests that we've had on, but transparency is is so paramount because we've got to be able to feel like we can say hey i'm you know battling these thoughts or you know i I don't want to get out of bed during the day or whatever i mean things happen in people's lives that throw them in a downward spiral sometimes and you know one of the things that i know that we've always talked about from a, a church standpoint is spiritual health but in my opinion, and in, a, in, in, in the opinion of people like yourself, um, spiritual health, mental health, physical health, all of these things work together. And if you're working on all of those things, you can't put that responsibility on God 
and say, okay, well, God, you just got to handle all this. And then we sit down and eat a big old thing of cheese fries at 12 o'clock at night. <laughs> you know, I mean, right. th- there's things that we have to do in order to take care of ourselves. And I use that, you know, from a physical standpoint, there's things mentally that we need to be doing Correct. to take care of our mental health. And I don't think there's been enough dialogue um, around that. Right. And I, I think that kind of goes back to the unfortunate stigma that has been created within church culture. Um, but thankfully, I think people are ready to move yeah. beyond that. And we're seeing a shift uh, in that. You know, just recently, we, uh, some colleagues and, my, and I, myself, founded the Center for Apostolic Counseling. And, you know, one of our primary goals is to create such a network of counselors that come from uh, a biblical perspective to deal with these issues that can kind of push back against that stigma in the church and let people know that it's okay you know what if you if you deal with depression that's okay yeah you know if you're if you're struggling with anxiety that's okay nobody's going to judge you but we do want to help you absolutely and uh, that's really where the church's stance should be uh, at this point so we're excited about the movement of that well and i think you know, I, I know in my own life, uh, when I went through my divorce, I realized that I was put into a place where I had no idea what to do. I felt like throughout life, I kind of knew how to handle situations. I was fortunate enough to, to grow up in a home uh, where there was a lot of wisdom in that home through my dad and mom. And so... I kind of grew up thinking, well, man, I know how to handle situations. Well, then life threw a situation in my way that I had no idea how to deal with it. Um, and again, some of that was my own doing. But I realized that I had to get to a point where I could go talk to someone that could help me navigate that. And so I'll be honest with you, at that point in my life, I thought counseling was stupid. I really did. I thought, who needs that? I'm going to go sit on a couch and talk to somebody. I mean, I'll talk to God about this, or I'll talk to... And I realized that I was in a spot where I didn't really have anybody that I felt like I could talk to that would give me an objective point of view. And speaking in my life from an objective standpoint... And so I did end up going to a counselor who was amazing. She she was an amazing counselor. She was a Christian counselor. And I learned a lot of things about myself that I didn't know, um, as well as she helped me navigate through that whole process and what I needed to do to recover from it and what I needed to do to move forward. And if I would not have had that, I would not be where I am today. Um, and so I'm a believer in counseling. Um, I think that it's something that we haven't had enough of in the quote-unquote church. And I think some of that, too, comes back to trust and transparency. If I talk to this person, how are they going to view me? Right. Or or are they going to have say something to somebody else that I know? Yeah. We've got to get past that because the most important thing is that we are mentally healthy and that we can move on and move past these failures or things that have happened in our lives. Um, so I'm glad to see that happening and and glad to see you, you know, being a part of of that with a group of counselors. How many people are, are in that group so far? 
Well, there's three of us that function uh, as far as the administration aspect of it is okay. concerned. Uh, and then right now we've got uh, three additional counselors. Uh, we've got one from uh, Louisiana, one from Missouri, um, and one from Tennessee. And we just received another application for one from Michigan. So we're growing slowly but surely, and as the, hopefully as the word spreads, we'll be able to begin connecting more and more apostolic counselors together uh, to make it one uh, easy resource for people to go to. So if if somebody listening to this says, you know, this is hitting home with me, I mean, I've been going through something or, or I've had something happen in my life where I feel like I just need to talk to somebody about it, how would they go about doing that? Uh, the easiest way is to just go to the website, apostoliccounseling.org. Um, there's all the information that you would need as far as the counselors that are available, how to contact them, schedule appointments. Okay. Uh, and then there's also just a generic uh, contact us website where you can just enter in the information and somebody from the network will call them back. Good. That That is so helpful. So if, you, if you're listening to this, you know, I, I got to tell you, one, one of the things, especially maybe as a man, you feel like times when things happen, you're like, oh, I can fix this. Right. You know, oh, oh, I can internalize this and I can figure this out. And to me, that is a dangerous place to be. You cannot hold those things inside. You cannot say, oh, well, I'm going to fix this on my own. Sometimes there are things that that come up in your life or things that you're facing or things that you're struggling with that you need to go to somebody and say, I just keep hitting up against this wall, right. you know, constantly, constantly, and I can't seem to get past it. Um, I mean, the Bible even speaks of doing that, mm-hmm. right? No. And I believe that it's talking about somebody like a counselor. I mean, in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to be able to talk about that and creating a safe place for that it is just is paramount yes i mean and you know one of one of my biggest passions centering around creating this center for apostolic counseling too is uh, for those in ministry yeah you know because there's a such a significant amount of pressure that's sure. applied to them not only from themselves but also from the people that they minister to and there's got to be that safe place, you know, that even if it's not affecting them directly or their spouse, but what about their children? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I lived in that glass house as a minister's child, as you did, yeah. you know, and so there's a lot of pressures that go along with that. Uh, but, uh, you know, our missionaries, uh, both our home missionaries and our foreign missionaries, there's the adjustments and the transitions that they have to face. It can't be easy. And if we can just kind of erase the stigma of counseling, you know, that yeah. you've got to be bad off yes. to, to have to go to counseling and recognize that it is really a resource for people to utilize. It's something that they can just turn to whenever they need it. You know, if one session is all you need, fantastic. Utilize that one session. Right. You know, if you but if you're really in the depths of depression and, and you need some uh, coping skills and you've got to be able to work through that, well, then take as many sessions as you need. Often uh, liken it to going to the doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, if you wake up with strep throat, you don't just think, "Oh well, this is going to go away." Absolutely, you're going to go to the doctor and get your antibiotic because that's just what we do, and everybody's okay with that. Um, but if you realize, "Man, I'm I'm depressed or I'm struggling with anxiety," it's really beginning to affect me. 
we feel like that we've got to not tell anybody that. Right. And we've got to hold that in. Or if you hold some leadership position in the church, if you're a pastor, a minister, Sunday school teacher, it's like, well, people can't find out about this yes. because they're going to think that I'm not worthy to hold these positions. So I just don't. Right. I just don't deal right. with it until it becomes a very you know, bad situation. Well, and we actually heard this said yesterday that honestly none of us are worthy. I mean, the Bible says that we have all come short. Right. So to put yourself in a place to think that you're above that or you're above temptation uh, or, I mean, Jesus himself was tempted, you know, the Bible says in all ways, right? Right. And so to, to act like we can be above that or if you're in ministry that you're above that and that you know you can't be touched by these things or you can't battle these things listen discouragement um you know all of these things it doesn't matter who you are they can reach you sometimes it's through things like i said that happen in your life sometimes it's through things that you're facing on a day-to-day basis or in ministry you know that wall like i said that you keep coming up against but the stigma has to be erased that we can't talk to somebody right. about it right. and that we can't be transparent and go, this is something I'm going through. I don't know what to do from here. Right. Um, the strength that we have in confiding in somebody and then them partnering with us to share that burden is, I mean, you, you cannot duplicate that. Right. You cannot duplicate It's probably that. why the Bible said that we should bear one another's burdens. Exactly. And so fulfill the law of Christ, right? And so, you know, again, I think that there's stigmas like that. You know, your your thing with the doctor is perfect because when a doctor tells us something, we just take it as law. You know, hey, take, take these for the next seven days. If you're not better, give me a call. I mean, it's the practice of medicine. Yet when we go to the doctor, whatever they tell us, man, we're in for it. I mean, we're like, oh, sure, we'll do it. But when it comes to mental health, that's a whole nother area and kind of something that we shy away from. And I I think it's something that we have got to talk about more and more because it's affecting our nation. You know, um, we were talking about these shootings that have happened in schools and, and all of these other things that have happened in Walmart and just the list goes on and on. Almost every one of those, and in fact, I think every one of those ties back to mental illness at some point. And it's something that we've just got to get a grasp on and realize that it's real. And it's not just real in our world. It's, it's real in the church. Right. Yes, it is. And I think that's why it's important that the church begin to prepare itself. You know, and I mentioned this uh, on Wednesday night, but the, the, the church is for the broken. Yes. And if, if we're not ready to receive those that are coming to us, um, then that's really on us, mm-hmm. right? Because God has given us everything that we need right. uh, to be an effective tool for the kingdom. But what are we doing with it? And we've got to recognize that the people that are going to be coming to us, because we see this in the church already, 
But the the people that are going to be coming to us, they're coming from broken homes. Mm-hmm. You know, they're coming dealing with uh, long term mental illnesses. They're coming from uh, dire poverty. They're coming from uh, homes of physical and sexual abuse. That's yep. just a part of the world. That's the sin you know, that is running rampant. And so the people that are coming to us, we can't expect that they're going to be walking through the church doors and then they're going to receive the Holy Ghost and all their problems go away. Right. We have to be ready to be there for them. We have to be ready to help put them back together. We are the hands and the feet of Jesus. I I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I think probably the way that, that we've grown up or that we grew up and we're both just so young, but Very uh <laughs> but you know it was almost when i was growing up where it was like well you just pray about that okay well then what like then what do i do after that right um and that is not to diminish the power of god or or anything else but there's got to be things that i can do living this life after that i mean there's got to be <laughs> steps that i can take there, there's got to be some things that I can help to get my myself mentally ready to face things because life is hard. Life is hard. Life deals us, uh, you know, some unbelievable things sometimes, and we've got to figure out how to get over that. And we can't just go, oh, well, you need to go to God about that. Um, there's got to be something else that we can do after that after that to help people overcome and live an overcoming life once they've failed, once they've had a death in their family, once there's been abuse. As much as I hope that those things do not happen, they're happening. Right. They happen to people. Yeah. So what do we do after that? Yeah. yeah the, the idea is that the church has to be ready uh, regardless of whatever walk of life these people are coming through. And, and like you said, the it's already here, mm-hmm. right? The, these things are happening. And so what are we going to do from this point? It's important, and I tell people this all the time, uh, when they're coming to me for counseling or spiritual counsel, God helps those who help themselves, Yes, right? Um, he majors on the things that we can't do. Mm-hmm. He expects us to do the things that we can yeah and so you know his first miracle i think sets the precedent for that whenever he turned the water to wine you know they, they had run out of drink at the wedding he could have easily just spoke it into existence sure right it could have just made it happen but what did he tell him to do yeah you go fill the water pots that's right right you fill those and then he created the miracle. They had to do something in faith and obedience. They had to do what they could do, yep. and then God did what they could not do, right? The same way when he uh, rose Lazarus from the dead, you know, could have just spoke the word and it would have happened, right. but he told them to go roll away the stone. Mm-hmm. The creator of the universe did not need anybody to go roll away that stone. Absolutely. He could have waved his hand and it would have moved, but they had to go in faith and obedience and do what they could do and then he did what they could not. And so whether that is in our physical life, our spiritual life, our emotional and mental life, we have to do what we can. 
God will take care of us and do what we can't. And counseling is something that is available to us. It's available to us in the church. And and if we feel like that we need it, you do what you can. You reach Mm -hmm. out. You be honest. Be transparent. Face these things as much as you can. And then God will step in and take care of what you can't do. That's absolutely right. And and every miracle that you see in the Bible, there was always action that took place first. There was always action by the person or group of people or whatever it was before God stepped in and and did the supernatural. Um, But I think that's, again, where the gap is. It's we want to sit here and go, I've got this problem. I don't want to share it with anybody. I want to internalize it. And because of that, people end up with these things for years and years and years. It ends up getting worse. It ends up, God forbid, turning into suicide or something else, which is never the answer. And again, as much as we don't want to see those things, they're here. Right. And that brings me to uh, another thing that I wanted to talk about is being being proactive. You know, I think... One of the things that we end up doing so much is being reactive to our problems or reactive to situations. Um, it's like all these things happen, this domino effect takes place, and right before we fall over the edge, we go, wait a second, now I'm going right. to try this thing finally. Right. And, you know, not that it's ever too late for God, but there can be um, irreparable damage or things that take place, or decisions that are made by that point that are so hard yeah. to to come back and fix. Yeah. You know, um, what are some preventive things? Um, maybe let's talk about, since we're talking about mental health, what are some preventive things that we can do from that standpoint to go, okay, this is happening now, and, and I need to talk to somebody about right. this. Yeah, so I think the first answer to that is recognizing, uh, first and foremost, that you've got to come to peace with yourself, that counseling is okay, mm-hmm. you know, that reaching out is okay. And whether that's from a professional counselor standpoint, which obviously I would highly recommend, or, or whether that's from a spiritual counselor standpoint, but being okay with being honest with somebody. Yes. Right. Which requires a lot of honesty with yourself that I can't do this. I'm at a place that I, I can't reconcile this in my mind. I, I can't seem to make a decision that, that feels right. What do I do from this point? So whenever you can get to that point and say, okay, I'm at a loss and I'm okay with being at a loss mm-hmm. because I've got somebody to turn to. Yeah. Right. Whether I go to my best friend or I go to my pastor or I schedule an appointment with a professional counselor, I've got somebody to go to. Uh, whenever you're there, then really everything else kind of unfolds naturally. You know, so whether you are facing an issue with parenting and you're raising a teenager that has become very difficult or whether you're facing an issue within your marriage and the relationship problem and you guys have a particular circumstance that between the two of you you can't seem to reconcile, then you're okay with saying, hey, let's just talk this through with someone. Yeah. You know, but we have this idea that we have to put on such a front with people. 
Oh, I right? agree. And then it for and first we kind of keep it to ourselves, and, and this is kind of the the church mode. We keep it to ourselves. We keep the front going, and then it becomes a prayer request, mm-hmm. right? We just have an unspoken need, yeah. Right, and then then it becomes a spoken request of a uh, pray for my family. The, my the, family has a need. The unspoken request has got to be the worst thing that we've ever created right. as a church is yeah. the unspoken request. I mean, I remember getting that all the time or hearing that all the time back when we used to have, you know, the prayer service where you could actually lift your hand and you could say unspoken request or pray for me or I mean, the Bible tells us to be specific with the things that we're asking for, but again, we're so worried about how someone else is going to look at us that it's hard to just raise your hand and go, hey, I'm struggling. yeah, I'm having a hard time. And the truth of the matter is, we're all having a hard time with something. Right. I mean, we've got to get over that. And I know in this social media world that we live in, where, you know, I've said this so many times, and I'll continue to say it, where the picture's taken from our best side, and we've got that filter, and we're sucking in, and we're doing all this stuff to try to make it look better than it really is. We've got that one snapshot where all of our kids are smiling at the same time, only to see the older brother slap the other one in the head as soon as the picture's over. It's not a true representation of, of what life is really about. Life is ugly. Life is full of mistakes. Life is us going down a road and going, oh, that wasn't the right one. Let me try this way. It's it's trial and error. There's not, I mean, there's a lot more resources out there now than there used to be for being a good parent and for being a single parent or for, you know, creating a good marriage and an open marriage where you're talking to each other and you're discussing these things. But some of that stuff, there's still not resources out there for how do I navigate this? And I think what you said is exactly true. We got to be honest with ourselves first. There are many times that I look at myself and go, I got to fix this. I'm not near as patient as I need to be, or I'm not near as this as I need to be. And we've got to, we've got to get to that point where we just go, I don't have all the answers. Right. You know, that's exactly right. You know, if you think of right now, the top five people that you admire the most, Mm -hmm. they all have problems. Sure. Right. And sometimes we forget that. That, that these people that somehow or another, for whatever reason, I've put them on this pedestal and I admire them and I respect them, they have problems. Yeah. They, they have the same issues that I have. If they're married, they have the same struggles in their marriage that I have. And there's nothing that is about them that makes them inhuman, mm-hmm. right? They're very much human. So if we can embrace this idea, well, they have achieved something that I really look forward to becoming or that I want to become in my life, well, then we got to recognize that they also have their faults yeah. and their fa- their failures in their lives, but that's what made them to be overcomers True. because they kept pushing forward. They kept moving forward, and we don't allow these things to, to hinder us and to keep us down because if we all just sat around and looked in the mirror and thought, man, if this is all it is, I'm never going to become anything, right? Right. Um, my life story in itself would, would make you feel really sorry for me 
But the fact is, is we all have that choice right. uh, as to whether or not we're going to succumb to all these things that were obstacles for our lives, or we're going to make up in our minds and say, you know what, I'm going to reach out and I'm going to get the help that I need to overcome. Because if I can't do it on my own, then I'm sure going right. to not allow it to stop me. Right. Well, and, you know, I know some of the things about your personal life um, and some of the things that you've gone through. And a lot of those things are not even public to people. But, you know, people can look at you and go, man, that guy is just always the same. He's just steady. I mean, if, if there's something that I could look at you and go, he is one of the most even kill people that I have been around. Um, that I, I, I know that about you. However, that doesn't mean that you haven't gone through things and that you haven't had personal battles and that you haven't had, you know, uh, persecution in your family and all kinds of other things. But again, if we're not careful in this social media, you know, everything's perfect. Look at this snapshot of my life world. Um, it creates an unreachable, unattainable uh, goal. And we look at that and go, I could never be Chad Parker. You know, I could never be so and so. I could never be this person. Well, hopefully you won't be, right. you know, right. hopefully you will be you, yeah. but be you and be able to overcome those things that you're going through. Because if we all sit here and we all just laid it all out of all the stuff that has happened in our lives and all the things that we've gone through, we would all realize, oh, wow, we've all gone through things. Right. We've all had stuff in our childhood. Yeah. We've all had things that happened to us in school and and happened to us with family members and a minister that hurt me and a this one that said this about me. It's happened to all of us, but it's not just about what's happened to you, but about what you do from there. Right. That's you know, exactly right. Um, and, and again, I think reaching out to somebody that may say, oh, yeah, I know exactly where you're where you're coming from. I've gone through that myself. And here's the things that I did. And here I am today on the other side of it. That's powerful also. Right. You know, Um, one of the things that I wanted to talk about, we talked about this recently, is in a lot of your marriage counseling, um, people get to the point where, and and I think it's so important to talk about families and marriages, because again, there's a lot of struggles there and, and a lot of things that we come up against where we don't know what to do. And oftentimes, by the time we do take a proactive approach, it's like it's it's almost too late. It's like, hey, we want to talk to you. Uh, we filed for divorce already. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like that's actually happened several times. Yeah, it's like, well, it would have been great if you could have talked to me two years ago. Um, that's one of the reasons why I feel like if you are in a serious relationship and you're thinking about, hey, this could be the person that I spend the rest of my life with, that's a good time to start counseling. Absolutely. I think the the current statistics say that um, of successful marriages, 80% of those receive some type of premarital counseling. So that, I mean, that's, that's pretty strong. significant. Yeah, that's, that's a strong, that's a strong statistic. And I think, again, there's that stigma there of, oh, well, I feel like God told me this is the one and I feel like we've prayed together and we know it and all this kind of stuff. 
but have you talked about how you raise kids? Right. Have you talked about how you treat finances? Right. I mean, all of these things are stuff you should be talking about way before you tie the knot and it's permanent. Right. Yeah. One thing we see a lot of um, is basic expectations mm-hmm. in a relationship. You know, and that's one thing we talk about in premarital counseling. But a lot of times when people come to me for marriage counseling, there's a lot of frustrations already built up because there are unmet expectations on both sides. And it's expectations that were never discussed. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of assumptions are made. And, uh, of course, that's an ongoing issue really with everybody going back to uh, the the church issue and, and how people are viewed there uh, in marriages and the poor communication there and even with parenting uh, a lot of the problems are boiled back down to assumptions we yeah. just assume people know things or should know things we just assume that things are going to be a certain way and there's just no communication about it so people aren't mind readers they're but not. we really want them to be yeah that's how we we treat each other is that we you shouldn't have known that um so I think, you know, one of the greatest things to, to make a relationship healthy, whether that be in uh, parenting, whether that be in your marriage or even just friendship, is remove assumptions. Yeah. Just talk. Yeah. Well, I mean, communication is key. And, you know, it's something that you struggle with in the workplace. It's something that you struggle with, you know, obviously in relationship, in marriage, is just communication. And again, I think if we can get to the place where we can be honest with ourselves, then we can be honest with our spouse or we can be honest with, you know, our, our boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever uh, it is. But, you know, we again, we end up lying to ourselves or we end up hiding things from ourselves yeah. or or, you know, and we just cannot afford to do that. If we can open up those line of communications, be honest with ourselves, where we are with our mental health, uh, uh, with where we are in life, I think that helps so much. And again, the time to start that is not when you've been married for 10 years. Right. You know, it's time to start that before that's even a discussion. Yeah. I mean, you know, especially I would say, it, you know, the age of, of marriage is pushing up and up and up. I mean, people are waiting longer and longer to get married. Used to, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old. I mean, my parents were so young when they got married, but that's pushing back even more uh, you would probably know what the statistics are on there more than I would, but it you got to talk to somebody if you're in a serious relationship yes. and start talking about hey this is the way I view things and and how do you view this and and you know what does child raising look to you I mean I would think that child raising is probably a huge one that comes up absolutely because everybody makes the assumption that they're just going to kind of parent according to how they were raised, whether that was they didn't like the way they were raised, so they're going to parent opposite, or they liked the way they were raised and they're going to parent that way. But when you've got two separate people coming from two different scenarios, there needs to be some discussion of what that's going to look sure. like. Um, but yeah, it, it, it comes back, always boils back down to did you talk about it? Yeah. You know, was there an actual open dialogue about uh, how you felt about parenting or disciplining or? the finances, what the budget's supposed to look yeah. like. And nine times out of 10, if it's a big issue in the relationship, it could, it's, the answer's no. Yeah. There, there was no, there's lots of arguments. Well, that's what I was going right? to say. We're not talking about, did you yell about it? Yes. We're talking about, did you sit down where you weren't emotionally uh, elevated 
and have a serious discussion. Right. Like, hey, did you have a plan? Did you develop yeah. some form of a plan going forward as a couple of how are you going to handle it? And most of the time, the answer is no. We've not done that. Well, and th- this is the thing that that boggles my mind. And you, most of most of you listening, or if you don't know this now, you know. I've been divorced for almost eight years, and there's been many things that I'm like, man, I wish I could go back and and do it this way or or man i wish i would have thought about this beforehand or i wish i'd have had this discussion or, or i would have done this but you know there's there's always uh, a lot of uh, like you said assumptions where you just assume oh hey you know we were both in church and this is how we're going to look at things and if you don't sit down and have a plan it boggles my mind how many people put all of this work into other things? They they work on their fitness. They work on their health. Uh, they put so many hours into their jobs. But when you go, when is the last time that you did something to work on their on your marriage, on your relationship? They just look at you with a blank stare, like, "Huh? Right. What, what do you mean?" Oh yeah, it takes work. By the way, yes. I mean it. It's not something that's just gonna flourish into a budding relationship on its own. Right. Um, it takes time. It takes communication. Um, it takes perseverance. I mean, sure. all of these things. Yeah. You know? The the work aspect is very much overlooked. I think people feel like. When they find that individual, they've fallen in love. It's like, how can this not be right? The fairy tale. Right. How yeah. How is this not going to go well? You know, and about three weeks in, they figure out how that's not going to go well. Um, but it, it does take work. I believe the Apostle Paul wrote that if you are married, there will be trouble. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it is a part of what it is because you're, two separate individuals trying to make one life work. Mm-hmm. So it's if without communication, without the appropriate uh, planning and talking and dialogue, yeah, there's going to be a lot of trouble. Well, and everybody's got opinions on how they want that to look. Everybody's got, you know, a preconceived notion of how that's going to look. And again, I go back to basically the way that we have been brainwashed. You know, you got your Cinderella stories and all <laughs> this kind of stuff. It just doesn't work that way. I mean, there's just a lot of nitty-gritty stuff that comes into a relationship where you have to be forgiving sometimes when you didn't feel like you were the one that even did something, where you have to be transparent. I mean, there's just so many things that play into that, and it's not going to happen by accident. No, it does not happen by accident. So if you're a person listening to this, I mean, what do you suggest people to do from a proactive standpoint, besides premarital counseling, let's say that someone's already married, what are some things that they can do just just to work on that and, and some things that they can do to make sure that their marriage is successful? Uh, a couple things. One, I always highly recommend to couples that they engage in some type of devotional together mm-hmm. uh, because that uh, creates an opportunity uh, to open dialogue, you know, a lot, especially, you know, couples, if they've been married for a while and things aren't 
exactly the way they want it to be. They've gotten into the habit of not communicating. Right. And so a, a devotional gives you a topic of thought, will ask you questions and kind of guide you on how to have that conversation. Uh, one, you know, you complete a 30 day devotional by the end of that 30 days, you kind of are in the groove of checking in with each other and how to ask particular questions. Uh, I also recommend they do uh, what we call a five-minute check-in, and that is, you know, set aside five minutes every day uh, that would be uninterrupted, uh, whether that's after the kids go to bed or before the kids get up, but five minutes within your day to ask some very specific questions. How is the relationship working for you? Uh, Is there anything that I can do to make our relationship better? Uh, And focus on, in that five minutes, the relationship and what needs to be happening at the moment that maybe is not. And then the final question is, what am I doing that is working for you? Right. Right. And making sure that if your spouse looks at you and goes, well, let's talk about that. (laughs) You know, that's not a good sign, but checking in on, on those three things, you know, it's a very short conversation. Right. And anybody can set aside five minutes to just check in. Uh, you know, and a lot of couples may not need that because they have, keep a running open dialogue all the time. But if you struggle with communication with your spouse, then a five-minute check-in is very easy to do. Uh, a devotional is very easy to implement. Well, and I think, you know, we have to be intentional. And that's that's one of the, one of the things that, that we fail at as human beings with a lot of things, being a parent— all these things, we have to have intention. We've got to go, here's the plan. Here's what I want my marriage to look like. Here's what I want to look like as a father. Here's what I want my kids to grow up looking like. Here's the values that I want them to have. And then putting a plan together and doing things to to help that play out. Right. It's not going to happen by accident. There's no abracadabra poof perfect family. No. I mean anybody that has accumulated wealth, they've done it with a plan. Anybody that has a successful marriage, they've done it with a plan. All of these things don't happen by accident. No. no it, it requires work and some intentionality. I know that we could go on and on and talk about this. Um, there's so many things that we could talk about when it comes to mental health. And, and, you know, hopefully we'll have an opportunity to come in and follow up on some of these things. Um, but I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast, for sharing this. If you're listening to this podcast and you're a human being <laughs> and you're going through things and you're facing things, do not hold that in. Right. Do not internalize that. Do not try to put all the responsibility on God. Because he's looking at you going, have you talked to somebody about this? Yep. Have you taken any steps to fix it? And and make sure that you reach out, and you can do that by going to tell them one more time. It's apostoliccounseling.org. All right. And then, obviously, if you are a member of Royal Wood, you can reach out to Pastor Chad. He's available for that. I can tell you that I have talked to you about things that you've helped me with, Um I'm not worried about you sharing those things. I've never worried about, hey, is he going to go tell somebody? I've never worried about that. And so we've got to erase that stigma. One of the things that I wanted to end with, and I always try to end with this uh, with our guests, is a few questions that I ask everybody 
Um, and it's always interesting to hear some of the answers for these. But if you could go on vacation anywhere, which you're probably ready for a vacation right now <laughs> after the summer we've had, uh, where would you go? Uh, well, I've had the opportunity to do some traveling. I think one of my favorite places uh, to just hang out actually was at Acadia National Park in Bar Harbor, Maine. Yeah. I bet that was beautiful. Yeah. I, I uh, had the opportunity to drive through a part of Maine this last summer, driving into Canada. It was amazing. First of all, I passed like three cars in my two and a half hour drive, <laughs> and I kept passing these beautiful lakes, and it was just, it was amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, I'm sure that would be an incredible place. Um, this might be a tough one for you, but who is the one person, if you could pick someone who has inspired you the most? Yeah, that is a tough one. Uh, I have been surrounded by and maybe it's greatness. a couple. Yeah, maybe maybe it's two or three people. But but who would those people be? Um, one I think would have been uh, uh, one of my high school teachers who. I think saw a lot more potential in me than I saw. Yeah. And she pushed me. She pushed me. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it was my English teacher. So she pushed all of her students. She was very difficult uh, as far as assignments were concerned. But it was because of her that I was able to kind of find some sense of academic achievement uh, in college. Because yeah. I, without without her pushing, I would have never been able to make it. Uh, you know, on a spiritual level, uh, Nathan Scoggins uh, crossed paths with him, and he became my pastor for a while. Uh, at he's a, he's been mentioned a couple times on this podcast. Yeah, he incredible he, man. God put us together at a very difficult time in my life, yeah. uh, in, a, in a very transitional moment, and he was. He and, and Sister Scoggins were just pivotal and really the launching of our ministry as it is now. Yeah. Um, without them, I don't know where we would be. That's awesome. Um, well, he, he is an incredible man. I've known Nathan Scoggins for a, a long time and just an incredible guy for sure. Um, what is your favorite gospel song? If you could pick one, and people don't even know this, but Chad can sing. Now he may get uh, <laughs> mad at me later for saying that, but this is sing. fake news. <laughs> <laughs> so if you could pick a song, what would that be? Maybe. Uh, that's that's a good question. Any any church song that's your favorite right now? Anything? Um, you know, I just like them all. You like them all. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. No, I mean, my favorite genre of music is I, I really like traditional black gospel. Okay. Um, that that is something I can really enjoy listening to. I don't Shout out get Raphael Moffitt. Right, because my that's not my wife's favorite <laughs> style of music. So I have to catch that when I'm by myself. But um, yeah, I mean, I, when it comes to church music, I, I can pretty much go with anything. Okay. Well, at least we, got a, we got a genre out of that. Now, what about secular song is there any secular song just a swing in i don't know what it yeah. would be no uh so probably i would have to say uh look at us by vince gill okay yeah, all right that's kind of mine and angela's song you you can't go 
you can't go wrong with Vince Gill. Yeah. I mean, he, he's he's incredible, an incredible guitarist too. A lot of people don't yes. know that that have heard him sing. But um, and then uh, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Retirement. So that, retirement. <laughs> that would be good. That would be good. I mean, we all know that you're in your dream job right now. Pretty much, yeah. So, all right, so retirement. Well, thank you all for tuning in today. I really appreciate it. Please remember to like, share, make a comment. Share this with somebody that you feel would benefit from this talk on mental health and marriage. Uh, please make sure that you tune in next week, Tuesday, every Tuesday at 7 a.m. And thank you again. Have a great week.